1: Well, Greg, we're back for uh, yet another episode. And um, you were telling me just a moment ago what how healthy you're eating in the morning. I got to say, I'm very impressed. Are
2: you impressed? Really? Well, yeah, I, I um, did not picture that. I, don't, yeah, I, I yeah. was thinking like Fruit Loops or something. For, then, are you kidding me? And then you I tell haven't me. eaten that CRAP in years. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, I, I've, been, I've been blessed. I have to tell you, I have been blessed with this amazing wife who... Uh, before she went into medicine, she was in nutrition for a number of years at Acadia. That's what she was studying. Anyway, all I have to say is, um, ever since we've been together, I've been introduced to the most healthy, beautiful food, and now it's just habitual. We just have these amazing breakfasts. Of, I'm coming over of eggs and spinach in the morning, and it. it's awesome. And you know, Jessica, you know what it helps me swing with? By. I, I've got a very stressful job in life, Dave. Yes, but you know what? The healthy oh. breakfast in the morning. Do you know what that does. No. It helps me hit that day and reduce the stress.
1: <laughs> oh, the brilliant segue you're, <laughs> you're attempting to make here. Into, we've got a very interesting guest. And actually, and I think it's so appropriate, you know, and, and, and we're going to, I think we're going to be talking from the perspective of, of business owners, right, entrepreneurs, uh, but also parents because, um, and, and, and uh, Ramit is on the line. How are you? I'm good thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is so exciting for me yeah well thank thanks for uh, thanks thank for you. joining us and you're doing you doing some you know really interesting research and uh very important in your in and your company's viewpoint leadership is that correct yes it is okay and what what maybe you can give us and we we if you've heard other episodes we we often ask our guests to introduce themselves because they'll do a much better yeah, job
2: they, they, they know themselves better, better than, than we, we do
1: even, even yeah, yeah even yeah. though we have this wonderful bio sitting in front of us um tell us a little bit about viewpoint and uh, and yourself and some of the work you've been doing
3: Absolutely. So Viewpoint Leadership, I am the chief learning architect here. And so I design experiences that build resilience. And so we look at building resilient organizations, but the key there is to build resilient individuals within that organization. And Viewpoint Leadership essentially does a lot of training and development. We run workshops, we run training sessions, we do leadership development. It's a lot of fun, and I absolutely love what we do. Um, The other arm of it is we do uh, quite a bit of research in terms of topics that are impacting individuals in the workplace and look at how those things, um, impact the resilience of an organization. And then on the, on the side, we are talking about being parents as well is I am coming up with a picture book titled, who do I want to be or who do I want to become? And it's connected to a workshop that I do on who do I want to be when I grow up for grade seven, eight and grade 10 students.
1: Oh, wow. I think, I think it'll be important for us is what you're going to say. Exactly. When <laughs> we, when we grow up, I mean, I'm only 46. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> What in terms of your research? Let me. We can start here. Like in this resiliency, I am fascinated by the topic. I, I I find it incredible the 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 human capacity for resiliency and how some people could access it more easily than others and what what caused that in terms of some of the research like what are the things like what what are the hot topics right now in in terms of things that are maybe causing um uh you know job related stress and 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 then and then what may be inhibiting resiliency like is there is that a good place to start can we is uh, you know would that be a topic of conversation?
3: Absolutely. So we actually just released a study last week. And this study was focused on something called the tall poppy syndrome. And that was a term that was popularized in Australia. And what it relates to is this idea that when people succeed, that instead of congratulating them on their success and their achievements, we actually bring them down. And so we did this huge national study on the tall poppy syndrome to see if in Canada this was happening in the workplace. And so we had over 1,500 people respond to this survey, and 87.3% of them said that they had felt that their achievements were undermined by others at work. And that is actually quite significant. And so when we look at that, um, and we we dug dug very deep into that, that actually impacted um, productivity. It impacted retention because the individuals, the high achievers that were being brought down, they actually looked for work elsewhere. And so that was impacting in organizations and their resilience because they were actually losing their best and those are harder to replace. It also had a toll on the individuals um, that responded to the survey, and they said you know, it impacted their self-esteem and their self-confidence. And self-confidence and self-trust, I would say, is at the core of resilience. Hmm. And so when we look at something like bringing others down, we look at civility in the workplace. This study was quite telling in terms of what was happening across Canada, across industries, and across sectors, and how that was impacting organizations and individuals.
1: so what is what is causing this maybe lack of civility or people wanting to you know kind of that whole idea of the of the crabs you know where you you know want to pull people back down to the bucket um, what, what what where is that stemming from
3: And so that's what we asked our respondents. And the number one thing that came out of the data, 83.2% of respondents said that they believed that this was occurring because of jealousy or envy. Um, 68.6% said that it was because of sexism or gender stereotypes. And about 60% said a lack of confidence on those that were actually doing the cutting. And so I will share with you, I read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories. There were 268 pages of data, and the respondents were very willing to share their experiences. And it was actually quite disheartening to read the experiences that they had gone through in the workplace. um, And very interesting to hear why they thought it happened. But what was very telling is that of those respondents that this happened to, more than 4 in 10 Witnessed a coworker being cut down and did nothing about it.
2: Mm. Interesting. I, I'm I'm really glad that you studied both. Because as you were speaking to that, I was wondering. You know, I, I'm going to use the word victim uh, in in this case, but like somebody who's been brought down into the bucket, like the the tall poppy that was 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 cut down. Um, I wonder if it goes further. Like, are is it possible that one of their modes of defense? could actually be by perpetuating the problem elsewhere. Is 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 that cuz I I always think about that whole bully uh the bullying theories that, you know, uh, kids who are bullied sometimes and maybe even oftentimes um are, you know, become bullies themselves in a lot of cases. I have you looked at that side of it as well like um or or, or is there are ways that you, you've seen that people actually have used this energy to, to be able to try to make the workplace better for others?
3: Excellent question. And we actually, well, that was one of the questions that we posed. And of our respondents, one in 10 admitted to participating in the cutting. And so I actually now use it as a verb. I call it, you were tall poppied, or I've just been tall poppied, um, where we are cut down for our success and achievement. But one in 10 did um, admit to participating in the cutting. Which was, which was surprising to me. Another surprising finding I think you would find interesting is um, we did focus in the workplace, but I did want to talk a little bit about outside of the workplace because we bring our horse, whole selves into the workplace and mm-hmm. into our jobs. And so one of the questions was uh, whether or not you experienced it outside of the workplace. And almost half of respondents, so 43.9% of respondents that said they did experience it, they they shared that they were cut from their friends and their social network. And so if it wasn't happening at work or if it was happening at work, when they were meeting with their friends, it was happening there too. And so I think this is something that happens not just at the workplace, but also within our personal lives. And that impacts things like resilience. It impacts our self-esteem and our self-confidence. And what ends up happening is we don't end up sharing our achievements with others.
2: Interesting. And and the unfortunate side effect of that is... Um, people aren't ins- able to be inspired by their colleagues either. Like, uh, uh, just this weekend, Ramit, I, uh, uh, climbed a pretty significant mountain with, uh, three other couples, uh, my wife and I, and doing something that like that alone, uh, you might not even do it. Doing it with a second person, um, helps. But when you've got a group of people that are sharing in, in the success, you know, it, it's inspiring, you know So if I hear that Dave is doing something amazing and, and is winning, it inspires me to go further, you know? But how come, how come is it that uh, not everybody sees it that way where, and, and to, it, to, Is it drilled down to fear? Is that what it is? Um, like when you mentioned envy and jealousy earlier, what is it really uh, at, at the core um, that motivates people? like motivates people for me to see my friends and colleagues succeed. But for others, seeing other people succeed further than you, it's uh, it brings them into a threatening position. What's what's the root of this?
3: That's exactly it. But first, let me say congratulations Thank on you. accomplishing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your point, I, I do think it comes from insecurity, right? And I do think that sometimes people believe that the pie is only so big, and if someone gets a piece of that pie, that's less for me. But the the pie isn't a set size, right? It's not that if someone accomplishes something that's taking something away from you, and I do think a bit of it does come from insecurity, but if we reframe that and say, you know, we can celebrate and congratulate others, that's not taking anything away from me. I think we need that conversation and that narrative does need to change in order for us to create this environment of um, support and achievement versus what the respondents said and that was that we're creating an environment of distrust
1: mm. that's scary I don't I hate hearing that because and and you know it's I mean how much of this would be connected to the, you know, the tribe you have around you, I wonder, you know, because I I really believe it's so important to consciously build people around you that are, are there to support you and, and build you up and also, you know, call you out if you're offside and all those kind of things. But, but I, I'm just trying to imagine... Um, like, I mean, so I've been able to share some some recent, you know, kind of, I think, fairly significant accomplishments in terms of things that have happened. And I haven't heard anything negative back. I've heard nothing but positive things. And I guess I'd be kind of surprised and disappointed if I heard something negative. But, I, I would but be you're more, in a bubble. But I would be more right? disappointed in the person than in, you know, like in me sharing it, you know. Mm. The, 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 like and I just, you know, and, and, I, and I guess maybe uh, another point I was just going to I was thinking is, I find um and I I saw a little in you you know I'd be interested Ramit, in your um your perspective but it it seems to me that like a platform like Facebook has so many good qualities but it also has capacity to really I I heard depression's connected to it because people are staring at everyone else's best self and and feeling less of themselves and I mean is it like to what degree is is this way we're interacting with social media impacting, you know, people's, you know, being cut uh, the t- or tall poppied, as you say.
3: That's an excellent point. And actually, I've curated a webinar on the dark side of social media. And we're finding this a lot with youth as well, where they are, uh, to your point, comparing other people's best selves with their perceived worst self, right? Or comparing other people's vacations with the fact that they're not going on vacation. But what we forget is that people curate what it is that you see and what you have access to. Not everybody is posting things that they might have failed at, whereas I think it's actually very important to talk about stuff that we failed at because others can learn from that and we can learn from that. But we are posting those edited pictures um, that have gone through maybe 20 different filters and uh, we take 100 of pictures to get that one perfect one and that's what we present to the rest of the world. And it is causing quite... um, It is having such an impact on our youth and not a positive way all the time. Yes, we have more access. Yes, we're providing a platform and giving uh, youth a voice to be heard and various different platforms. But at the end of the day, how is it impacting their mental health? How is it impacting how they perceive um, they should be, how they should act, what they should look like, um, what position title that they should have? And so this really needs to um, be studied further is my take on it. But we are seeing studies coming out that show a direct link with poor mental health and social media.
1: Oh, I can I can only imagine. Now what? So as, now you're speaking to two fathers here. I'd love your advice about, you know, how do we support our children in being resilient, in leveraging, you know, all these wonderful channels of, as they of enter communication, into it. Yeah. you know, um, but not, you know, but but to the degree we can help them not be dragged down by it or not be tall poppied.
3: And I think we have to role model it. Right. And so um, sometimes as parents, we're glued to our phones and we're role modeling that to our children or we're on Facebook or on social media and they're seeing us on that um, and they're role modeling that. So I do think it comes from us in terms of what it is that we, we role model. But to your to your question is having a discussion about it and a very open discussion about it. Right. Talking about, well, what's happening at school or, you know, how, how have you experienced this or what do you think about so and so's post or if something Something comes up in the news that's age appropriate having that open discussion and then providing your input but very critical to that is engaging with their responses in a positive way so they might have their own perspectives based on who their friends are at school what conversations they have outside of that family norm but engaging positively with their responses is critical to continue the conversation if our children are saying to us oh no mom no dad you're wrong because we think this is what it's related to and we say no no Oh, that's not right, that's not engaging positively. It's more about opening the discussion to understand their perspective mm. and their reality. Mm. Um, I recently came across an article actually last year where it said it is the scariest time to be a 13-year-old and the parent of a 13-year-old. Uh. Because, right? Um. And to us, like This is all difficult. Like Social media is new. I didn't have my first email address until I was in grade 9. And my son, who's 2 years old, he had an email address a week before before he was born because I created it for him and I send pictures and yeah. who knows if he'll have access to it when yeah. he's able to read. Yeah. But um, that's such a difference, right? And so we're trying to understand social media from the lens of a 13-year-old, but we, we can't be empathetic because we're not in their shoes. So as parents, I think opening that dialogue, um, making sure that conversation continues and we interact with it in a positive way, I think will create kind of a, a very good environment to help build their resilience and also when something not so great happens they they trust us to come and share that with us and know that we won't judge them
1: it's good it's very good advice I, and and you know because we don't understand that pers- it's hard to understand that perspective you know especially with a young person whose you know brain isn't fully developed mm. and And, you know, how they're being impacted by the the one thing that comes to mind, um, you know, when I and I, I have some friends that have kids that are older than mine, my oldest is 12 and youngest is 18 months. And by the way, when you're talking about being on the phone. It's really telling when your your you know kind of fifteen sixteen seventeen month old child grabs the phone, <laughs> and knows starts how to open talking it. on it, like and saying <laughs> you know and and it feels like it's a source of power and you go oh I'm probably on this too much yep. around you know this is not good that's a good point like that was like, I'm just shocked I'm like how, why does she think this yeah. is so powerful this little device <laughs> that, you know so so clearly there's a message for me as a father um, but but what I was gonna say I, was, I read something once uh, or I, I think I've, I've run across it a few times but this idea that that um, being ostracized or feeling like you're being ostracized um, has the same impact, and you know, kind of in terms of your how your brain processes it as actually being physically harmed and yes, pain, yeah, yes. as pain, yeah. You know. And I was shocked to learn that, hmm. and then I just realized the powerful impact. And and now it's, uh, so now you're part of an online community with a bunch of friends, and all of a sudden people stop not like or unliking you or whatever in Facebook or whatever the platform is how how painful that could be for a young person and how, how they could feel so isolated and, and when we know what it really does in terms of how your brain processes it, it, it actually really worries me for for kids.
3: Absolutely, and there's a balance too, right? Because we, I mean, our children grew up in a high-achieving environment where they have graduation from kindergarten to grade one, right? And we're we're constantly saying, you know, good eating, right? Like we're we're constantly just, um, it's almost, when we look at parents, we're we're giving them A for effort, which is a very, very positive thing. And then when they get into the real world, when they're not getting that pat on the back because um, they drew a straight line, um, it's it's kind of shocking to them right so there is also this balance piece I think that's really 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 important um, we do want to ensure that we have this culture of achievement and success but we also want to make sure we're not overdoing it either right because when they get into the workplace and they're they're not getting that pat on the back or that promotion every five six months um, that's a bit of a reality check
1: you, know, um, I'm sorry, Greg. I feel like I'm dominating this because I'm so fascinated by this. But I just, I can, I can share this story because um, it's out. But my, my, my son recently became part of a, a TV show in, on CBC called Canada's Smartest Person Junior, and um, he was with 11 other participants, 10 to 12 years old, and it's an elimination. You know, and these are all smart kids, right? And it's like uh, the psychological stress was incredible to see.
2: How did he do? Like in, in the moment.
1: Well, he did remarkably well, but one of the things, you know, and, and, and Ramit's kind of touching on it that I thought was interesting is I was listening to some of the parents, and they're wonderful families and wonderful kids, and these kids really connected and stuff, and I heard a couple of parents talking about how worried they were about the kids because their kids had really never, like, you know, probably experienced um, not um, winning, I guess, essentially – and, and, and I, and I thought, well, I don't know, he's going to he, our boy will be okay because he's kind <laughs> of to many hockey teams. He hasn't made it and all that kind of stuff. It still was hard, but I, I didn't have that same fear. Um, and I just realized how helpful and healthy it is to like, to say to you, I believe anyways, and I'd like your opinion, but I mean, just, yeah, go, out. you know, let's go, let's go to that chess competition, you know? And you know, like if you, if you, if you come fourth place, that's great as long yeah. as you tried your best, you know, but, But there is a winning and losing aspect to life. And I kind of want to expose my kids to it and and myself and everyone to because there's some things that just that's just, you know, this is the way things work, you know. But do you have a growth or fixed mindset, right?
3: Yes, exactly. And if you look at children that are just learning to walk, they, they try to walk, they fall down. And then they try again, right. and then they try again, and then they try again, right? Even though they fell down, which could be seen as a failure, they're still trying, and that's really what we're rewarding or should be focused on. It's not the walking. It's, it's how they're trying to walk and mm. learn this new skill, which mm-hmm. I think is so, so powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we touched on something, too, a second ago, is those other parents, and perhaps all of us as parents have to think about this, is implanting fear into our kids by being worried, like, oh, how is my child gonna feel if they lose? Well, they're hearing those messages as well, right? Uh, so, perhaps as as a baby who doesn't understand fear and keeps trying over and over and over again, can you imagine if they were in, in, in a growing environment where there was never uh, uh, an understanding of failings bad, <laughs> you know, or failing something to be fearful of? I know that we we inflict that, and I, th- I think about. Um, Meet my daughter is uh she just turned nine, so but she's been public speaking for the last two or three years in front of large audiences. And the only people that, that that bring any fear into her is every adult that says, I could never do that. You're amazing. It's so good that you're doing that, but there's no way I would ever be able to do that. Well, you're inflicting your own fears into these kids and then these kids eventually grow up realizing, Oh, it must be scary. Adults are afraid yes. of it. Yeah. Yes.
3: That's exactly it. And, and again, it goes back to the previous point that we, it's what we role model, right? And it's also being careful with the words that we choose and how we express ourselves and how we engage with their responses, because they are listening. They're watching and they're listening because they're trying to figure life out too. Um, so I think, I think that's so powerful that she's a great public speaker and, and it's, she, she needs to build on her self-confidence to say, you know, this is my strength and it might not be strength, the strength of others, and that's okay.
1: So people that are, I'm, I'm like I, myself, that want to learn more about your research and, and about what you do as viewpoint leadership, how do we, how do we learn more?
3: Well, we do have our website viewpointleadership.ca and there's lots of information there. I do, again, as I mentioned, I have a picture book coming out called Who Do I Want to Become? And that really came out of my work abroad. Um, I did a lot of initiatives in terms of building schools in different parts of the world, building a teacher's college, um, supporting scholarships in Peru and and Ecuador. And when I stayed in Kenya for a number of weeks, I had the opportunity to connect with um, a few orphans. I visited two different orphanages. And uh, was able to spend some time with them. And I asked them the question, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And when they were responding to this question, um, what they were actually telling me was not what they wanted to be, but who they wanted to be. Mm. And so that and this happened. This was about two years after the market crash, and it really resonated with me because position titles come and go right? That what comes and goes, but that who you are is really what matters the most. And so with the work that I do, a lot of it is all about impact. A lot of it is about changing narratives, whether we're changing the narrative in the workplace from a culture of distrust to a culture of support and achievement, whether we're changing the narrative at home and opening discussions and not asking our children what they want to be, but instead asking them who they want to be, or just changing that narrative with friends, right? I think we have the ability to do so, and a lot of my work speaks to that, but really it's about that internal reflection about what impact do I want to have, who do I want to become, whether you're a child or an adult, and what legacy do I want to leave?
1: How do people people get the book? Because, I mean, this would be awesome for a whole bunch of people I can think of.
3: Thank you. So it is available for pre-order. The book launches on October 15th, um, but it's not just a book. And I want to stress this out. We actually have free lesson plans uh, from kindergarten to grade six. We have a parent guide that speaks about what you can share in the home that Mm. can support this idea of who do I want to become? Because sometimes those conversations are difficult. Mm -hmm. And we've got worksheets for children and adults to come to that kind of realization of what impact and what legacy do I want to have, what opportunities and activities are out there that I can engage in.
1: You know what? And it's so I'm so glad you have for adults as well. Like I know in the work I do as a as a executive coach, there's a lot of times people are in transition and they never really Considered, you know, and they might be in their fifties that you know, who do I wanna be versus what do I wanna do? So that's so nice to hear. Well, you know what? I now I'm very clear in this conversation as to why you have been twice named one of Canada's top one hundred most powerful women. Thank you. That is quite a cool title. I mean, we just brought that up now, but I read that (laughs) earlier. I was like, wow. Um, Very, very cool. You clearly, you're so, I mean, how did you get to this work? Um, You know, just like, what what is it that's motivated you? Because I'm hearing all this passion.
3: Honestly, I I love being an entrepreneur, um, but it's more about, I think, opening opportunities for others. I mean, I got, I've, was very lucky to be born and raised in Canada where I had access to education um, and that For me is so critical to be able to provide access and quality education to others and honestly I've been an entrepreneur for 14 and a half years and one opportunity led to another opportunity which led to another opportunity but at the core of um, the two businesses that I run is we always try to make an impact and that for me is more important than the profit side of course there's bills to pay and that that gets done Um, but if we can make an impact that's what actually keeps me going and now having a two-year-old I mean he changed my life and so that impact piece is so important, and changing that narrative is so important for me too.
2: Rumi, <clears throat> as, as a uh, as a closer, uh, Dave and I have been really focusing on uh, h- you know how do we get our message heard in a very noisy marketplace, and that we really want to want to serve our Bowling Point podcast listeners with with uh, concepts and ideas around that. So, with your research backing up whatever your suggestions are. Um, How do we get heard in a noisy marketplace in ways that aren't going to be damaging? Um, Because this sounds like uh, we've got a very vulnerable marketplace uh, with human beings at the center. We have to be careful how we position ourselves, but we also need to be heard. So maybe as a closing uh, comment, what, what are some ideas
3: around that? I would simply say to be authentic. And I know that term authentic gets thrown around quite a bit, but what that really speaks to is to be who you are, right? If you had that achievement, own it. Right. That was your achievement. Own it. And not to let that noise impact you. And yes, it is a very noisy marketplace. There's lots of content out there. There's lots of ideas. There's all this stuff that's out there. But I think what truly stands out are those who are authentic and transparent and are genuine with what their messaging is. I I truly believe that's what resonates with people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you know what? And, And it's so much easier to be yourself because then, you know, it's easy to remember what you're supposed to be. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's way less work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like like just as an example, we we, we Greg and I uh a month ago or so, by the time this will be aired, um um we we were the MCs of this uh this this event. Um and uh and I think you because know, 'cause we're co chairs of the United Way campaign and I think there's this expectation of how you're supposed to MC and we just thought, well We'll try our best to stay with the script, but we got to be ourselves. You know what I mean? And we had a number of people say, Thank you for doing that. Oh, it was we were, fun, just, we were a couple know?
2: of goofballs up there, but no, we weren't trying to be goofs. It's just that <laughs> we w- are. We are us. <laughs> and uh, maybe some old stiff, stiff, stiffer people out there that might have rolled their eyes, but it, so many people were like, Hey, thanks for making this fun. I was like, Well, we didn't intend to do that. We just wanted to present ourselves as, as who we are. So, you know? so it, Ramit's encouraging us to continue. Okay, that's be, good. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good. And
3: uh, through my experience, I've learned there's always one. There's always one person that's going to roll their eyes. There's always going right. to be one. And if there's one out of a group of a thousand, let there be one. That's yeah. all good.
2: Okay, or, or, even, or even if there's a hundred of a group of a thousand, that's okay. That's a, that, exactly. You know what? That's going to be our takeaway. Yeah. Let there be one. Yeah. Let yeah. <laughs> so be it. Let there be one. God bless them. Yes. Them. <laughs> what
1: a, what a joy to talk
2: to you. Your 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 work
1: is so important. Thank and you. can you remind people uh, again, just to, you know, if they're listening, to how to how to reach you and how to learn more about you?
3: Absolutely. Please come visit my website at uh, ViewpointLeadership.ca, or you can find me on Twitter at Ramit Billin, um or on LinkedIn. Would love to connect.
1: Incredible, Dr. That- Ramit Billin, Thank you so much. Um, I hope you, I hope total. you're you're named for a third year of one of the most hundred one most powerful women. I mean, it's got to happen. Now it's got you got to be on that <laughs> annual list. No pressure.
3: Thank you so much. It's
2: been a privilege to speak with the both of you. Thank you so much for me. Have a great rest of your day.
3: You too. Take Thank, care. Okay, take care. Bye bye.
1: Bye. My God, what a breath of fresh air that woman. She's like incredible. Like I just love the work, and she's so clear and articulate, and yeah. she's just she's quite. Um, uh, I, I just love that. I love the real resiliency space, Greg. Like I just, I'm so fascinated. Oh, me too. By it. Well,
2: especially what's going on in the world right now. When we see.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or VisionCoachingInc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling.
1: Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada. Women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com mondays at 5 p.m and wednesdays at 7 p.m that's blasttheradio.com
3: it's time to dive into the stories that truly matter